these uh, Fridays where we're praying and uh, we're just gathering in the office. I, I did want to share uh, a vision that Joanna received this past uh, week in her time of prayer. Um, God showed her a vision of our church and uh, one door. And as she was entering through this door, another door opened. And it was just a series of one door at a time. And we opened that up to the group this Friday and some immediate interpretations came. Uh, one was the need for patience. Another was that going through one door gives us the right to go through the next door. And immediately when I heard it, I um, received a, an interpretation that our church right now is not in a, a season where we need necessarily discernment, like we've got five doors in front of us and we've got to figure out which door to go through, but rather we need courage and faith. That when God shows us the one door, that we have to walk through it. And as we go through the series of each door, and as we continue to open that up to the group, uh, we were saying, what, what's that first door for us right now as a church? And we're saying it's the door of prayer, that God is bringing us into a season uh, of prayer as a church. And as we um, open up and become sensitive to the heart of God, that He'll bring us through another season. But this is the first season for us. And I was very thankful. I, I left Friday. I mean, Fridays, are, are I come in the morning in the office, and I don't leave until like, uh, you know, after we finish, and this past, we went to Boba time, and we went to in and out because <laughs> just we like to do those types of things, I guess. <laughs> um, it was really good. Um, I feel I, I felt so empowered uh, and enlightened that I heard something from God from our, our church members this this past Friday, and it gave me a lot of uh, clarity and confidence to uh, what we are to do in these next weeks. The message today is right in, in line with that, establishing a prayer life. And um, we're going to find ourselves in, in the book of Psalms today. And as we read a handful of verses, I pray that it becomes uh, a, a good foundation for us in uh, our own individual lives as well, corporately, uh, as corporately as a church, that we would uh, establish a prayer life, not just have prayer times. And... Hopefully you'll be able to discern the difference between uh, those two things uh, as we talk today. Psalm 16, if you can flip there. Psalm 16, verse 5 is our starting verse and we'll end at the end. Uh, verse 11, Psalm 16. Verse 5 says this, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Um, if you think about that inheritance, you know, say you have a wealthy parent or parents and they pass, the legacy or inheritance that they give to you, if it be a, a hefty chunk, as you see that, that the inheritance that you receive, that it's the Lord in His presence, that He is the cup that you have every single day, that you, you drink from this cup, that you eat from this cup. There's an overwhelming sense of the centrality of the presence of God to the psalmist here, that He is my future, He is what I receive, and He is my daily cup. When this was written, it's not like, 
we stock our, our cupboards with, like you probably have a dozen cups that you go through and they're in the sink and you wash them every, maybe once a month if you're really lazy, right? Uh, but you go through them, but it's most likely written in a time where each member of the family had one cup. And you use the cup and then you wash the cup. And you use that cup every single meal, right? And he's saying that he's my cup. That every single day when I look to get food or drink, that I look to the Lord. There's a beautiful picture here. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I pray that for you, that you would be able to say this about your life, whether now or at life's end, you would look back and say, yeah, the lines fell in good places for me. I look back and I say, wow, my life was beautiful, or my life is beautiful. Okay. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely for you will not abandon my soul to shoal. Neither will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Amen. Uh, last week I talked to you about my plant and I gave you an update about my miracle bush. And get used to it. I'm going to give you regular updates. And uh, I'm going to give you an update today, right? Uh, last week I said to you, this thing neither grew nor died for two and a half years. It was from February of 2014. It was this green and this tall. And in August of this year, 2016, it was this green and this tall. Neither growing nor dying. And I transplanted this sucker, right? I said, no, no more. New soil for you. And I put him in a new space in this little potting area. And from our retreat of August of this past year, in the span of less than two months, it grew a total of one inch. And I was like, yes. And I, I showed you, right, uh, especially the top center stem of this entire bush, and how it was sprouting new leaves, these baby little yellowish baby greens coming out of there, and how much joy that brought to me, and how it had grown an inch in this short span of time, right? And I'm looking at this thing almost daily, and as I go out, I went out yesterday, and I went out this morning, and fresh off the press, right? From this morning, early this morning, this is what that stem looks like now. Look at that thing. That's what it was last Sunday morning. This is what it was today, this morning. I mean, it's grown nearly another inch, right? It's just going and going. And if you, if you notice, look at all of the other light yellow and, and really bright green spaces on this, right? It's just, as I, as I zoom in here, on the very bottom stem, the very root of it, a little offshoot came out. I was like, yeah, what is this? this is great. This is great, right? And I, I want to, to point into right over here for a second. Not only is there this fresh little sprout coming up, I want you to look over here. In these areas, all over this bush, 
there are these little sprouts that are coming out of these spaces that were just brown and just dormant. And I find so much joy in looking at this right here. Just the budding of something that came out of this brown, dark, almost dead space. And new life is just kind of just peeking out of there. And it's just a beautiful thing. And literally, this is everywhere along this every portion and stem of this bush. I'm, I'm, look, I'm seeing now these fresh sprouts. And it all started because I changed the soil. Right? I changed the soil on August the 11th of 2016. That was the Thursday right before our summer retreat. I changed that thing. I put it in a new spot. And then I watched it somewhat stay the same in the beginning. Leaves starting to fall off. Me worrying a little bit, thinking, wow, it's starting to brown, right? And if you look down here, there's all of these. This never happened before. These brown, dead leaves falling off. This never happened in two and a half years. It literally stayed intact just like that, right? But then it started to brown in some spaces and some leaves started to fall off. And I began to worry, like, this is a picture of my life right now. Come on, I don't, I don't want death, right? Uh, this should be a symbol of new life for me, right? And like, it's a, a powerful and very, very personal metaphor for me right now. And so I was somewhat worried when I saw that. But when I begin to see this, I, I draw so much hope and courage and faith, not only for my own life, because this plant represented my heart and my prayer life. And it also represented our church in my heart. I draw so much hope for our church as we go into a, a new season. I'm beginning to see sprouts. And as I see it, not only from the most well-established, longest stem of the church, we're beginning to see new shoots in places where there were none or places where they were just dormant, and it was just a brown cluster, and breaking through the brown was a little bud of yellow. And I'm excited for you that wherever your bud, stem, leaf is represented, hopefully it's not one of the, the brown ones that have fallen on the ground, right? Uh, but wherever your stem is, I pray that you'll be able to see sprouts of new leaves coming in your spirit, in your life, and in your prayer life. Amen? Amen. Uh, to review, a couple of weeks ago, on September the 11th, that Sunday, I, I spoke a message titled, What Charges Are for My Phone, Prayer is for My Heart. And the main idea of that message was, if I'm not praying daily, I'm trying to operate on a dead battery. And I equated in, that par- uh, in the parable of the ten virgins, of the lamp the oil and the flask, and I paralleled that to like a smartphone, a battery, and a charger, and to say it's useless to have a a few hundred dollar phone if I don't have a working battery that lasts through the day, And and I need a charger. I need something to reduce it on a daily basis, and if I will not go on a business trip or throughout my days without a charger in my bag or at home, how can I live without plugging into God's presence on a regular basis. And if I'm not praying regularly and daily, I'm trying to operate spiritually on a dead battery. That was the point of that particular message. And my encouragement at the end was to plug into God daily. And if you found that your heart, your battery was dead, so to speak, and there's nothing shown on your spiritual screen, hope is not lost because we've all experienced the dead phone before and all we had to do was plug it in again. 
And whether we had to wait a few minutes for it to kind of kick and to cross that threshold to actually light up the screen again, uh, all we have to do is plug into God again. And as soon as you do that, you might feel like nothing's happening in the beginning, that it's not showing and the screen's not turning on. But stay consistent and, and faithful and just plug it in. And there will come a moment where it crosses that threshold and your spirit will come alive. Your screen will turn on again and you'll begin to grab that signal and hear from God. And so if you feel that your spirit, your battery is dead, just plug in again. Just plug in again. Just plug in again. I want to jump from that message and springboard to today. And I want to talk about how to pray. I want to talk about how to pray. The reason why I feel like this is important is because when I talk to some people, and even as I thought about my own prayer life for many years, you normally think that prayer should be a time of excitement, of energy, of being energized in your life. But when you talk to a lot of people about how's your prayer life, it's a little different, the response that you get. It's not so like, yeah, it's great. I find that the response that I get when I ask people how's their prayer life is more of frustration and even discouragement. And it seems ironic that it is that way. And I find that as I probe a little bit, it's because of guilt. Because immediately after, you, it's kind of like, and then it's like, I should be praying more or I'm just not getting a lot out of my prayers. I I don't know how. And it seems as though guilt causes frustration and discouragement when we view our own prayer life. Like you look reflectively, like how's my prayer life? I feel frustrated and discouraged. Why? Because I'm guilty. Like I feel like I should do more. I'm like the disciple praying. I mean sleeping while Jesus is praying. I, I just don't know how. I fall asleep. I don't know what to pray for. And even when I pray, I feel like nothing's happening. I'm not listening or I can't hear anything. And we feel discouraged. And so today I want to talk about how to pray to hopefully alleviate some of the guilt and bring you out from frustration and discouragement and into a place of life-giving energy for your daily life and for your spirit. Knowing how to pray or knowing how to do something, isn't there a lot of empowerment in that? That when you know how to do something or use something that you have, there's great freedom in that. Because if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't matter what the capabilities are, it lies there dormant. And you're, you're more frustrated because there's potential that's untapped, untapped, right? And I was trying to think about, what are some examples of that? Do you remember the first time you ever taught your parents how to use Facebook? Do you remember that? I remember that vividly. I taught my mom. I, I, I made up a profile for her, right? And I showed her how to use it. And the next day, I had 92 likes. I was like, what? Like 92 notifications. And it was all Susie Chun, Susie Chun, Susie Chun, Susie Chun. She went through my entire profile and started liking everything, everything, right? And I was like, whoa, right? Because she finally understood how to use it, and it opened up a world for her. And I had to tell her, you need to calm down a little bit. When you like something, or do, everyone can see it, right? And so you have to kind of tell her how to use it a little bit more. right? Or do you remember when you bought your parent a smartphone? Right? It's like they got this thing and they don't know how to use it. Like, you know, it's just like this little brick, and they just want the old phone back because they were familiar with that flip phone. And so it does not matter the potential of something. It's when I know how to use it that it begins to untap it and allow me to have freedom. You need to know how to use it to have 
freedom. It was my father-in-law's 70th birthday uh, this past week. And uh, last Sunday, we took him out for dinner. And, you know, uh, my, my wife has two older brothers and the three siblings, our three families, we decided what do we want to do for our father-in-law as uh, he's turning 70 and we wanted to send him on a trip. Uh, Scheduling-wise, it didn't work out this year, so we'll save that for next year. But he also likes to watch TV, he, you know. And uh, so we decided that we're going to get him a 4K TV. All right. And so on Sunday, we, we gave it to him as his birthday present. And the oldest brother and myself, the two of us, we went over to, to their, their place to install the TV for him on that day, Sunday night, last Sunday, one week ago. And so we got there, and we're unboxing this thing, and we, we mounted it on the wall, and we uh, basically, it was like remotes. You know how big the remote control was for the TV? It was literally like this big. I was like, is this the remote? I was confused for, I mean, where were the numbers? Where's the keypad here, right? And all it was, was it looked like a futuristic iPod is what, what it looked like. And it just had like this scrolling little circular little thing on there. And you control everything and you have to press different buttons. And my father-in-law got this thing and he was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to watch TV is what he said, right? <laughs> because he's so used to the old phone. I mean, not the old phone, sorry, the old remote control and the old TV. And so it's about learning how then to use it. So we mounted it and then we sat down with him and we explained, when you want to change the channel, you press this button first and it calls up a number pad on the screen. It's not on the remote, it's on the screen. And so we had to acclimate him and teach him how to use the remote so that he would have freedom to actually watch TV. In like manner, Prayer, engagement with God. I feel as though sometimes we don't engage with God and we don't have fruitfulness in our prayer life because, in a sense, we don't know how to pray. And I don't think that's a unique question. In Jesus' time, the disciples came to Jesus, how should we pray? They asked him. And so it's a common thing that when we try to talk with God, is there a way that we can do this that makes it more fruitful and effective in our lives? And so Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom power, the glory, and He teaches us how to pray. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to teach how to pray so that we move from a season of frustration into a place of vibrance. On your cards, you'll find these six dimensions of prayer. The six dimensions of prayer, the first I give to you as praise. This is a form of exalting, singing, thanking, etc. Just expressing things upward to God, whether about who He is, what He has done. It is an expression to Him that is upward, not about us. It's upward about Him. We're saying things to Him, about Him, for Him, the things that He has done. This is a a powerful part of our prayers. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Speaking to Him, saying, I I worship you, I hallow, I exalt you. 
lifting him up. And this is a powerful space in our prayers. And so I hope that in your prayer life, it's not just about uh, asking for things, but it's about beginning with the time of exalting, about singing, about thanking and showing gratitude, exalting, and even at times expressions of frustration, I think can be a part of our worship. That all throughout the Psalms, there are penitent Psalms. That there are Psalms that seem very aggressive. Where he's asking for destruction and he's, he's, he's venting the, the frustrations of his heart. And in a sense, that can all be a part of our worship where we're expressing this to the Lord. The second dimension is prophetic declaration, which is speaking truth statements in faith. This isn't necessarily asking for things. It's about taking God's heart and, in a sense, just having a prophetic word for yourself or for your circumstances. Prophesying to yourself, you will be down no more, my spirit. Hope in God, the psalmist will say. Your kingdom come, your will be done here in my life. God, I claim your joy. God, I declare your peace. God, I declare your love to permeate my life. God, I declare my spirit to be lifted up to you. And there's a prophetic declaration to ourselves about the will of God, asking for His kingdom, His heart, His will over our lives. And this must be a powerful part of our prayer life. Declaring that in faith. The third dimension is petition. And this is what we are very familiar with, aren't we? We're familiar with the petition aspect. Asking God for things, whether it be needs or wants, right? Needs or wants. And it's a big part of prayer. Jesus said to us, we don't have certain things because we don't even ask of them. And so we should ask. We should seek and knock Because it's going to be opened. If we ask God for a fish, He's not going to give us a stone or a snake, you know, when we ask Him for fish and bread. And if, if, if fathers, natural fathers, know how to give good things, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give you good things? He is the Father of lights. Good gifts come from Him. And so He wants to give us things, and we should ask Him for things. The Fourth dimension is intercession. And this is when we stand in the gap and we, we pray for people. When we hear of needs, even if they don't ask us, to pray, Lord, I lift up this person to you. God, my mother is struggling with this sickness. God, my coworker is in this rut. God, there are people that surround me. I pray for the refugees in the Middle East. I pray for the nation as we go into an election season. I pray for my company, my, te- my child's teacher. I pray for their friends. I'm interceding for others. I'm, I'm praying for others. This is a powerful and important component of our prayers that we ought to pray for people to be fed, for the poor to be looked after. We ought to pray for these things. The fifth dimension is meditation. And this is listening to what God is saying. This is now quieting our hearts down. And it's about listening to God. If you've ever talked to somebody that's a talker, Right, And you have to remind them, you've got two ears and one mouth. Please listen twice as much as you speak. Right, And they're always talking and never listening. 
right? Always talking, never listening. That's not a very enjoyable conversation to have or a person to sit with, right? When you're just always just, okay, 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 right? Yeah, we might not say it like that, but we're definitely thinking it underneath, right? But prayer is that same way. There must be two-way communication. There's an aspect of me speaking to God, and there's an aspect of me hearing from Him. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But meditation is that aspect of listening to what God is saying. It's a very important part of prayer. This, I find, is one of the most energizing parts of prayer. Not when I'm declaring stuff, not when I, even when I'm worshiping. There's this powerful aspect in my prayer that when I'm actually hearing something from God, there's something beautiful about that that energizes me. And the last dimension is reflection. And this is God using my mind to reveal things about me or my circumstances. Okay? I'm reflecting. And this is something that happens very proactively, right? Through my mind, as I'm praying and quieting myself down, I'm letting my heart lead the way. My heart is leading the way. And there are times where you speak what you're thinking. Have you ever had that? Where you, you vocalize what you speak, but your heart leads the way. You're not afraid to use words. God, I'm feeling frustrated. And you're just saying this. God, I feel joyful. God, I feel peace. God, I feel angry. And you're reflecting what you feel. And God is, is inspiring that. And so in your prayer time, you're quieting yourself down, allowing your heart to lead, and using words to give voice to your heart and reflecting on the inside. You're beginning to learn your condition. And you're presenting that up before the Lord. God, why do I feel so anxious right now? God, why can't I let this go? Why do I feel so numb in this area? God, I feel like I need healing over this. I never thought about this for years. And as I think about it now, I, I know I haven't gotten over it. I need healing. And there's moments in our prayer where we quiet ourselves down and we just release our heart to just gel and mingle with God's Spirit. And He shows us this mirror and it's a very clear one. And we're able to look into it and it just shows us and it reveals the screen of our hearts. This is a powerful part of prayer. And so I, I just want you to look at that and I want you to get used to these dimensions. There's different aspects that, of repentance, uh, of, of, in a sense, venting. These are all parts of prayer as well. But to simplify it, I, I want to say that all of the other things can fit into these six dimensions. Praise, prophetic declaration, petition, intercession, meditation, and reflection. That if in our prayer lives we are experiencing these dimensions, I bet you, I bet you, that you're going to feel more fulfilled, fruitful, engaged in your prayer life. I, I know it. And so learn and practice this. This doesn't come natural in the beginning. And so you have to practice how to pray. 
You have to actually just, it's not going to go the way that you think in the beginning. It's, I feel like it feels weird to, to, to do this prophetic declaration or it feels weird to meditate or reflect. God, I'm not used to praising in my prayer time. There are aspects that will feel a little unnatural in the beginning, but continue to do it. Be very mechanical in the beginning. When you learn anything, you have to be mechanical. When I'm teaching my son how to hold a pencil, I have to actually model it for him and say, no, you hold it this way and you wrap it this way. You're very mechanical when you learn a sport. You learn stance first, follow through. You learn the fundamentals before you get into the fluidity and the different dynamics of any sport. And you mechanically go through the the rudimentary fundamental things. And I want you to mechanically go through this in the beginning. I want you to actually just think about what are some things that I can actually praise you about. What are some things that I can think about who you are. What can I say in this moment? What can I declare in faith? Do I know anything that is a truth in Scripture that I can declare over my life right now? And just declare it. And you can go down this list, petition, intercession, meditation, and reflection, and just practice it, practice it. And so let me now, with this as a backdrop, with these six dimensions of prayer as a backdrop, and hopefully you'll keep those cards with you. If you can, stick it in your Bible to remind you what those dimensions are. And every time you pray, look at these dimensions. Okay? But with this as a backdrop, let me say this. Each time of prayer is like a fingerprint. Just like there are no two fingerprints that are exactly the same, no time of prayer will mimic and mirror a previous time. That it is a very unique experience. That I need not try to say, wow, that was a great prayer time I had yesterday. Let me do that again. Right? It's a fresh moment. Different words, different interchanges, different feelings and emotions are brought together. It is a different combination of the six. There are different moments where I'm very worship heavy. And I might just spend time all in worship. And there are times where I'm just pouring out my heart in intercession for my family or a person that has brought a need to me. And there are other times where I feel so quieted and not much is coming out. But I feel like I'm just sitting and meditating on the Lord and trying to grasp some direction. Hear His voice and feel His heart. And there are other times where I'm just kind of wrapped in my own heart and just God is showing me and He's just doing this work and like internal surgery on my heart as He's unveiling it to me. But each time is so unique. Don't try to to copy it. Have a structure, but let it flesh out uniquely every time you pray. Every time. Consider it as a unique experience before the Lord. The second thing that I want to say to describe how we ought to pray is balance speaking and listening. you got to balance that. And I referenced that a little bit just shortly, a short while ago. It's about speaking to God and then quieting ourselves down enough to actually hear something from God. If I were to give you two minutes right now to say, write down the last thing you heard from God. Right? Would you have something to write? Would you recollect it right away? Now, in that simple thing, it points us. Like, well, I don't know. What do you say? He's like, eat your food. 
But if you peel that question back, what was the last thing that God said to me? And I try to wrap myself around that. If I have a difficult time recollecting or pinpointing that, I have to say it's either one of two things. God didn't say anything or I didn't listen. And out of these two options, I think option number one is not really a feasible thing. I think God is speaking regularly and consistently. And if he's saying something, if I don't know what he said, it's because either I I didn't listen or I I just don't remember. I'm not engaged, tuned in. And you've heard the analogy before, right? Radio waves or TV waves are, are going out and broadcasting everywhere. And I just need the antenna. And when it's tuned in, then it shows on the screen or comes out of the speaker. In that same way, God is broadcasting things that He wants, things that He desires, and He's speaking out into creation. And when we tap in and our antennae are dialed in, that's when we begin to say, okay, I can broadcast it now. I've heard it. And so God was speaking all along, but it's about now me being tapped in, dialed in. Okay? And so I ought to balance speaking and listening in my prayer life. And if you're like most, they have a a hard time listening. Because it feels odd that I'm sitting by myself in a room or wherever I'm at, and I'm trying to listen to to somebody, right? And with Jacob, he's now at five years old and trying to grasp certain concepts of faith, right? And one of the things that's kind of cute that he says to me, right? He goes, "Uh, uh, Dad, why didn't you name me Jesus, right? (laughs) I find that so cute. I ask him why. He goes, because Jesus is so great, right? I want to be like, I want to be Jesus, right? And I find that so precious, that, that thought, right? Because if I named him Jesus, he'd be like, Jesus, right? But another thing that he's trying to grasp is he doesn't see Jesus. And so he knows now that Jesus is this great person, but now he's wrestling with the fact that I don't see Jesus. Okay? And I don't think we ever really grow out of that even in our adult lives, that there are times where we're worshiping or praying or engaging in faith where we're beginning to say, you know what, I I don't see it happening. I don't see you. And there are times where we go back to that moment where we wrestled as a child. If I don't see it, is it really real? And a lot of people wrestle with this listening aspect of prayer because I'm not sitting across the table from him in a visual way. And I might not hear words in an audible fashion. But when we quiet ourselves down, it's uncanny how much God speaks. The next thing that I want to talk about in giving direction in prayer is to say that prayer is active, not passive. Every aspect of prayer is active to me. Whether you're speaking or you're listening or reflecting, You listen actively, you reflect actively, you meditate actively, not passively. And I give this analogy all the time when I try to compare the two of active and passive. Okay, Let's say there's a bus stop, a bench, right? And I'm sitting and I'm waiting. That's my 
action or my posture. I'm waiting, right? Now, as I sit on this bench, a person who just waits on this bus stop is just like buses are passing. And, you know, it's like, oh, no, too many people on that one. I don't want to get on that one. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like odd numbers. Right? And whatever it is, I just kind of stay there. And I'm just waiting for a moment where I feel like, do I have the unction now to get up out of this posture and move? It's one type of passive waiting. I wait passively, not really knowing what I'm waiting for, but just sitting there. That's a a passive style of waiting. But there's an active style of waiting. It's when I know I need to get from Long Beach to downtown. Okay, what are the routes on the bus from Long Beach to downtown? And I find, okay, I have to get on number 58, transfer to number 401 at this particular place, and it will take me to my destination. And so then I go to the very same bus stop and I sit down on this bench and I do the same thing. I wait, but I wait actively because now I'm looking for 58. I find that people cannot hear because they listen passively. They're just like, God, like I don't know what I want to do. Um, Would you show me something? Would you tell me what I want to do? Would you give me what I should, download to me what I should do the next five years, I don't really know, type thing, right? And it's a passive style. It's just like, I don't know. And so, God, you tell me. And we're just like, they're like, is that the one? Is that the number? Right? But there's a different style of waiting on the Lord, right? There's a style of waiting on the Lord where I'm actively engaged with my heart. And I'm saying, Lord, you've created me this way. These are the gifts and experience that you've allowed me to go through. And it logically leads to this. I can see it going down this path. And so, Lord, I have this in my mind right now. I see a picture of a destination that I believe you can lead me down. Lord, will you lead me down this way? And so then now with that mind, we get back on the bench and we're waiting for that. We already put in applications. We've already sent certain things, and we're waiting. We're waiting for a response. We're waiting for the yes. We're waiting for the door to open, but we're actually looking at the door actively to say, will that open? Will that number come? And when it does, we get on the bus. We move through the door. That's a different style of waiting. And so I say prayer is active, and every part of prayer is active. The praise, the declaration, the petition and intercession the meditation and reflection. Do it actively. Actively. I also want to say, be awake and alert when you pray. seems like, why should, why? Of course, right? But you'll be amazed how many people do the horizontal prayer, right? Right? It's just like, okay, I'll say a few things here. God, I don't have to, this is a good posture, you know? It's, uh, and we're just kind of like, there, right? It's, and there are other times where we feel like, oh, God, i got to pray, okay, and so we get in our prayer. <sighs> like, we're just, like, tired, you know, it's just, and we're trying to pray because we feel like we're obligated to pray for whatever reason, but we're tired. There's not much that comes out of that, I find. Now, I, I will note this, that God can speak to us when we're tired and exhausted, but if we are perpetually tired and exhausted, we will not have a prayer life. So if you want to establish a prayer life, you need to make sure you engage in prayer when you are awake and alert. Very, very important. Because this is not about praying one time. It's about having a life 
of prayer. One day I have a late night. I mean, one of the promises that I gave to God is, Lord, I want to regularly and consistently get up and rise earlier in the morning. And I just want to sit with you. And there are times, like this last week, I've been working really late on personal projects. I've been sleeping really late sometimes. And like, I go to bed at 2, 3, and I'm rolling out of bed early, like after just a handful of hours of sleep. And I feel like there are certain times where I'm just like tired. And I still want to get up. My eyes still open. But I cannot do that on a perpetual basis. I cannot always sleep at 3 and expect to wake up at 6.30 or 7 or 7.30 and just live on four hours of sleep and expect my prayer life to be engaging all the time. That I need to be awake and alert. That's very important. And I will say this along the lines here. Be comfortable when you pray. Don't be uncomfortable. And I don't mean comfortable to the fact like, oh yeah, I got this nice little, uh, this is the best comfortable position. That's not what I mean by comfortable. I mean by comfortable is you need to be in a position you can stay in for a sustained period of time. Right? And as a posture, have a posture that's leaning forward. This is something that I've switched. And I did this switch recently. Right? Um, for the span of about three years, kind of like even at the onset of when we started the church, my prayer life was more stoic. It was a lot more reflective, and I was just kind of in this space of just like, uh, like I was more like this is my posture in prayer. And I would always be leaning back, but I changed something. And so when I'm up now and I'm in my time of prayer, I'm actually sitting on the couch cross-legged, and I got a pillow on my lap, and I'm leaning forward. And you know when you talk to somebody and somebody's leaning forward into you? Isn't it a very different posture? And when you're leaning into somebody, rather than kind of sitting back with your legs crossed, it's, it's very different emotionally how you engage in that conversation. Now that's a very physiological thing. That when you sit up and lean in, you're more engaged. You're more receptive. You listen better. And in that same way that when we pray, be comfortable, yes, but I want to encourage you to lean forward. To lean forward rather than backwards. Now there are times where you're going to lean backwards. But I, I want to say as a habit, as a posture, try to lean forward. And you'll be amazed at that simple change, what that will make in your prayer life. That you can listen leaning forward. Meditate leaning forward. Because I find, especially when I tried to pray and my body was like on the lower half of tiredness rather than being full. And then when I lean back, I find that I just wander. And I'm just like passively waiting for something. But when I'm leaned forward, even when I'm slightly tired or exhausted, I find that I'm more active as I engage. And so just change that as a very practical thing. But just know that it's a unique fingerprint every time you pray. Balance speaking and listening. Remember, be active. Be awake and alert. And as a little supplement, be comfortable and have a posture that leans forward that if you can take those steps and apply it to those six dimensions, I think your prayer life will change. Try it. I I, want to say, uh, instead of saying do it, just try it. Try it for the next five times you pray, whether it's linked five days in a row or whether it's spaced out a week at a time. The next five times you pray, have this sheet of paper, this little sermon card in front of you Look at those six dimensions. 
Take these steps and hopefully you write down. Please write on the sermon card. Be comfortable and have a forward posture. Write that down, please. That's a very important thing. Okay. And if you can do those steps the next five times you pray, just try it and practice it for a second. I think you'll find that it will be different. And if you can write two more things down there. Have a Bible or a devotional material with you when you pray. That's one simple thing. And have something to write on or take notes with. Whether it be a pad of paper and a pen or your phone's little note app. Okay, Have something to take notes with to write down what you receive. Even today, as uh, during the praise, when Dina was saying, you know, after that song, you know, uh, just letting certain things go. And um, I, I just prayed that. And as I was praying that, God was just kind of inspiring certain things as I was thinking through that prayer. And right on my, my sermon little thing here, on the next blank page that I have, I just wrote a little note of what it, what it was. And that was very important because have you ever had that thought that was like, the, you're going to change the world with this thought? And then like, oh! And like just five minutes ago I had it. I can't, where did I leave that thought? Like I just want to pick it up again because that's really going to change the world, right? That thought. And have you ever had that, right? Where you forget it. And what I want to say is when you're praying and you get something and you listen and you hear from God, stop what you're praying for and note it right then and there. Stop at mid-sentence Note it down. That's what prayer is for. That we're expressing to God, but we're also hearing from Him. Listening. Gaining direction and courage in life. Jot those things down right away. I stop mid-sentence in prayer and I write it down. And so have a Bible handy. You'll be amazed how much the Bible speaks, like it was written how many years ago? And like, even if you go through a reading plan, that person who published that reading plan wasn't thinking of me when they published it, per se, in my particular circumstance, but we'll be amazed how much even devotional reading plans speak to us on a day-to-day basis. Like it hits us right with our need on that day. So have a Bible or a devotional uh, with you and have something to, to jot the things that you receive down. Do that every time you pray. Every time you pray. I'm going to bring this to a close. You guys can come back. I'll bring it to a close with three very practical applications. Okay? This is what I want you to do this week. Okay? Whether it be on this card or on a separate journal that you have, your phones, note app, wherever it is, okay? This week, what I'd like you to do is these six areas, dimensions of prayer, I want you to write out at least two full statements, not bullet. I don't know how you take notes. Are you like the chicken scratch, like just keyword note taker? Who's, who's that? Chicken scratch, keyword, you, or like full, full on, yeah? Oh, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm like that, right? Even when I have bullet points, they're like bullet points with full sentences, right? It's just, that's just the way that I, my mind works, right? And so full sentences, complete sentences, subject, you know, uh, with your predicate and all of that, just have everything in the sentence. 
in these six dimensions, praise, write a full sentences, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for providing the job that I have. Lord, I want to thank you for keeping me safe in this particular situation when this happened and something terrible could have happened. Write them out, full sentences, minimum of two on each one. Prophetic declarations. Is there any truth that you know in Scripture that you can declare over your life right now? Anything that you know that God would want for you? Just declare it and write it down on a sentence. Whether it be over your family, your career, your personal life, your thought life, write it down. Right? Lord, I declare the freedom from the stronghold of sin in my life in the name of Jesus and name it on a piece of paper. Okay? Declare it. Prophesy to yourself in this arena by declaring a scriptural truth of God's heart and kingdom over your life and go through it. But I will note this. Five and six, you're going to have to spend some time because this is more of the reception side of it. And so as you do the one through four, I find that that's pretty easy to do just methodically and mechanically. But when you get to the five and six, the meditation, Lord, are there things that I'm receiving from you? You need to quiet down a little bit. And Lord, what are you saying? But try to write down two full sentences of what God is saying to you. Okay? And in the reflection, what God is revealing to you about yourself or your circumstances. This week, please do this mechanically. Have it in front of you and write out two full sentences at least for each of the dimensions. And after you do that, just read it slowly and prayerfully. Just read it. Just, you're going to take the same piece of paper or the phone that you have and you're just going to read it. and See, God, I thank you for the provision of my job and keeping me safe over this particular season. I thank you. And you're just going to read it out nice and slow. It might take you five minutes or ten minutes to, to do that aspect of writing and then another five minutes to read it. But maybe you're going to take a little bit more time. Write it down and then read it. And then after you do that, regularly practice it. The next five times, just rotely, mechanically do that. Just write it out, read it, and just sit with God. And it might take you literally 15 minutes each time you do that. And it's a very different way and style of praying. But practice it in the beginning. Practice it in the beginning. And so just do this. And don't be afraid to... Move freely between the dimensions. You don't have to like, always start with number one, two, and then go down the list. As you get a little bit more comfortable in these dimensions, you'll learn how to move one from the other and really just kind of oscillate. And sometimes just God's kind of honing in on one or another thing. Okay? So learn how to move freely between these six steps. And I pray the next time that I ask you the question, how's your prayer life going? You'll say, man, I've been implementing those steps and those six dimensions, and I feel like my prayer life is so fruitful. I pray that that is your testimony. Amen? Amen.